All right, uh, welcome to another episode of Bitcoin Tech Talk. It is uh, May 24th, and we are going to talk about Doge is the epitome of postmodern investing. Uh, as usual, this newsletter can be found at jimmysong.substack.com. And uh, yeah, it, it's found on YouTube, Anchor, um, lots of different places. But I encourage you to use the Breeze app and Sphinx to listen to this podcast if you can. All right, so let's get started. Dogecoin, the epitome of postmodern investing. Bitcoin Tech Talk issue number 241. The market is quite irrational and has been for the past year. Not only are stock prices crazy multiples of profits or even earnings, we're seeing behavior from the market that can only be described as completely unhinged. At least with non-profitable companies, there's some prospect for future growth to make up for the large premium against profit or even revenue. But with pump, uh, with some pumps going on today, there's not even that. We've seen a lot of stocks pump that have no fundamentals, including companies with little prospects for growth, AMC, GameStop, bankrupt companies, Hertz, and of course, altcoins, much of which hasn't shown any development at all, let alone usage. This is not a new dynamic per se. Bankrupt stocks have been known to trade at levels that don't make any sense given that they're supposed to be worth zero. However, we're seeing them more frequently and in greater numbers. In this article, I'm going to explain what I think is the cause and how we got here. Nothing quite captures the current craziness like Dogecoin. It's in the purest sense a meme coin. There's no purported usage and does nothing technically better than any other coin. It's the epitome of what I call postmodern investing. Postmodernism, of course, is the philosophy of complete relativism. There's certainly some truth to relative value as the stock market is currently a Keynesian beauty contest. As any Austrian economist will tell you, value is subjective and can be seen in the daily price fluctuations of nearly every commodity in the market. Postmodernists take it a step further and decide that value is not just subjective, but can be controlled by those who have sufficient willpower. Essentially, they believe they can change reality as if it's a democracy with a majority. This is the philosoph uh, philosophical underpinning of the pumps in stocks and altcoins of questionable value. Postmodern investing denies even the notion of underlying reality. There are only the market actions of buys and sells, and enough believers can change price, which in turn changes reality, or so the thinking goes. It doesn't matter if a stock is in bankruptcy, if there are enough believers, they can be raised from the dead because the fundamental reality does not matter. This attitude is largely fiat's fault. Specifically, this is due to the cheapness of money. A money that's valuable, one that helps people to reduce future uncertainty, would not be parted with so easily. Such money would be bound more by the constraints of reality, such as revenue and prospects of growth, instead of being a speculative gambling vehicle. Instead, we have easy money, where buying and selling other things is about the only utility. As the money doesn't hold value, the money's power is temporary, and it must, in some sense, be put at risk through some, some form of buying. As these are insider games based on what, every, what everyone else is buying, the game becomes more about how many other people are in the investment than about the fundamental potential returns on that investment. In other words, fiat investing is more a trading game and less an investment taking into account profit, revenue, and future cash flows. 
A market that treats investment as a trading game is one that can be easily manipulated. A market that invests based on profit, revenue, and future cash flows are not. In other words, fiat money makes market manipulation much easier. As a result, we have pumps of purposefully useless things. In a way, this is refreshingly honest. Instead of the usual lies about what impossible things they are planning to do, there are no promises being made at all. The in-crowd are imposing their will on the market. Dogecoin has no long-term value proposition and it's not pretending to. Yet it pumps simply because there are enough people who want it to pump. It's an asset detached from reality, or as the postmodern investor sees it, it's creating its own reality. This shouldn't be a surprise as this is the direction that civilization has been moving in for many years. Postmoderns deny any sort of reality, biological, economic, and otherwise, and it's come even to investing. For those of us that despise the postmodern philosophy, there is good news. These pumps are all short-term and cannot last. At some point, you run out of postmoderns and investing cartels, which are by nature not stable. In a sense, the postmodern investors run smack into the reality of game theory and the laws of economics. The market can stay irrational for long periods of time, but that doesn't mean fundamental reality doesn't exist. Just means fiat money has made suspending reality easier and has thus created more postmodern investors. So I wrote this thing um, sort of as a reflection on why Dogecoin is pumping and how investing has changed. Um, as uh, as my friend Preston Pish likes to say, like, like the multiples are like insane right now. Uh, you're you're going to uh, get maybe like two or three percent on your money at the most in the stock market or bonds or whatever. So it's all about the asset appreciation, and that's the only thing that matters. And asset appreciation just requires more buyers. It's not about future revenue at all. Um, and essentially, what's happened with uh, the investing market is that. It's not about the fundamentals underneath. It's about who's getting in. And the more people that are getting in, the better it is for your investment because the asset will bubble up. But of course, those are bubbles and they will pop. And a lot of people are getting burned as we're seeing in the crypto space right now. So, you know, th this is sort of the reality behind, um, uh, you know, fiat money. When, when you make money so cheap, um, you you create sort of like this store of value premium on everything and that unhinges it from reality. Um, already the dollar is unhinged from gold. It's not it's not convertible to gold um, and it's kind of gone haywire. Stocks, bonds, lots of other assets are doing something similar. And of course, something like Dogecoin never had any underpinning whatsoever. Um, Bitcoin has an underpinning. It's, uh, you know, the energy that's uh, that's gone into it and so on. So there's some fundamental value uh, reality that that it subscribes to with, with a lot of this other stuff. It simply does not. All right, let's go on to some of the Bitcoin stories. Uh, the always thoughtful AJ Towns muses on Speedy Trial. He gives a nice overview of how Speedy Trial came about as well as the objections by those who favor the UASF approach. I thought the post was fair and gave a good explanation for why he thinks UASF is not a good idea. Speaking of which, Taproot looks very close to activating in the next difficulty adjustment period. With Binance Pool, BTC.top, 
Huobi pool and one thash fully signaling, only btc.com needs to upgrade their non-signaling servers to get the 90% needed. Um, and I did read on Twitter earlier this morning that uh, btc.com is planning to upgrade all their servers this week, which means that it should lock in on the next difficulty adjustment period. Um, anyway, AJ uh, did a great job with his uh, you know explanation there. Um, there has been some consternation, some conflict between, um, you know, some people on one side that uh, that want to, you know, get miners to signal uh, readiness before activating and other people that want to do the user activated software approach. Um, so um, I, I, if you need sort of like a good perspective from the, you know, um, the minor activation um uh, approach, then you should read his his post. Polychain Labs has a great post on how some implementations of BIP32 are not up to spec. Essentially, one out of 256 derivations will have a private key that starts with a zero byte. Some implementations ignore the byte and others take it into account. The correct behavior is to not ignore the byte, and the main implementation which has the incorrect behavior is BTCD. There are many downstream projects which are affected and the post goes through the implication. So um, if you are a developer and you're doing BIP32 uh, derivation, make sure you don't ignore the zero byte as, uh, at the beginning, which uh, apparently BTC did. They patched it last year, but they wanted to make sure that the downstream ones um, knew uh, you know, what would happen. So uh, you know, it, it's an interesting study on like um, sort of protocol level bugs that you can you can end up doing and uh, and the consequences it might have in open source. Calvin Kim explains why UtreeXO doesn't need to validate blocks in order. The idea behind UtreeXO is that only a 32-byte Merkle root is stored, and every block gives proof for every UtxO being spent. As Calvin explains, this makes each block a function on the UtxO set and makes parallel block validation possible. Furthermore, because I/O tends to be the bottleneck. UtreeXO can be much faster as everything is loaded in memory. For mobile wallets, especially given the unlimited data plans everyone has these days, this should make full nodes possible without taking up much space. Um, so UtreeXO, like I, I didn't realize uh, some of the parallel validation stuff that, that can go on. But as he explains, you can validate each block independently of each other because you just need to know the state before and after, and those are only 32 bytes. So um, Essentially, you can you can download the the Merkle root of the UTXO set uh, for each uh, each block, and you have the beginning and the end, and um, you feed the block into that function and make sure that it, it comes out to what you expect it to, and you can do that in parallel, um, and uh, and that that should in theory at least make uh, validation much much faster, and you don't have to load that much into memory. Uh, unlike uh, a lot of other stuff. A block is like about two megabytes right now. Um, so that's not very much. And, you know, you, you can do, you know, um, a thousand blocks uh, fairly fast. Uh, you know, you can do like a thousand, two thousand blocks at a time. Um, and th this, this makes it uh, a lot easier and you can utilize multiple cores and so on. Uh, really cool explanation. River reveals their plans on how they plan to use Taproot on their platform. They're looking at pay to Taproot address support, both for deposit and withdrawal, 
as a nice first step. The benefits of Lightning are also explained, especially with regard to privacy and channel closes. I hope more companies follow their lead compared to what blockchain.info did regarding SegWit. So, um, you know, blockchain.info said SegWit was ready back in 2016, 2017. They didn't implement it until earlier this month. So uh, you don't want to be that company. Uh, River is going to support pay to tap route pretty much out of the gate, it sounds like. Um, and that's very exciting. Um, and we'll, we'll see what wallet supported and so on. Lightning, uh, pay per file is a lightning paywall for websites. For downloads, file downloads can be sold on a per file basis via lightning. Especially for micropayments, this seems like a clear use case. I would like to see something like this integrated into BTC Pay Server. So um, now you can just sort of sell, um, you know, individual pages of a PDF, I guess, or, uh, you know, a, a GIF or an image. Um, this is in contrast to NFTs, which don't mean anything. This is actual, like, you know, bits on disk that you are getting. And uh, and you can, you can have it uh, uh, be payable via Lightning. Lightning Labs has another long post on the ecosystem happenings. In particular, they are noticing more nodes on the network, more routing node operators, and more Lightning apps. They have a lot of statistics and charts in the post. Strike is doing particularly well, and their ability to pay Lightning wallets with fiat money is a big need that's being filled with their app. The way Lightning is growing is what organic growth looks like. That's in stark contrast to the artificial pumping we've seen in various altcoins. So, um, you know, Lightning is, uh, is is growing organically, and you can you can see it in their charts. It's uh, yeah, it, it's going up and to the right, but slower than I, I think a lot of people are wanting it to. But that's uh, I think better for the infrastructure. Um, this is unlike altcoins, which are all based on pumps and dumps, and their uh, usage, if at all, is very spiky and uh, used for manipulation and not actual utility. All right, economics, engineering, etc. Tomer, Tomer Strolite argues that what's toxic to all coiners is integrity. Toxicity is only targeted towards those that violate the principles of Bitcoin. Unlike all coins that will take any and all comers, regardless of whatever compromises they have to make, Bitcoin has standards, and that's unfortunately toxic to those that want Bitcoin to compromise. Toxicity itself is a strange narrative that's being pushed as that only works where there's an authority. Bitcoin doesn't have an authority, so it's the least effective narrative to change Bitcoin. And that that's something that it's always kind of confused me. Like people say, oh, Bitcoin's so toxic. Okay, well, all right, so what are you going to do about it? Like you can't kick us off of Bitcoin um, like you can on Twitter or something like that uh, because it's a decentralized system. Um, but, you know, if you, uh, it's, it's like a... They're running a play from a centralized system and expecting it to work on the decentralized system. That it just it just seems kind of ridiculous to me. Peter Saint Onge makes the case that deflation is good. He studies the period of greatest deflation, which was during the Gilded Age or the time the world was on a gold standard. The explanations in this article are clear and easy to understand. Deflation meant that goods cost less and less which created some amazing tech. As Peter Thiel and Safety Namus have argued, more innovation came from that era 
than during the fiat era, particularly the zero to one types. Um, and you know, th this is something that's ridiculous to me that people argue deflation will cause all sorts of evil or something like that. Deflation is good. That just means things are getting cheaper. That means technology is progressing. If things are getting more expensive, something is wrong. Um, and that's ex actually what's happening right now. Gigi explains how Bitcoin changes you. The main thing Bitcoin does is make the people that own it low time preference, making them more responsible. Holders, in other words, become civilization builders, not destroyers. Anecdotally, I personally know a lot of Bitcoiners that have gone down this very path, and those who have been in this space a long time definitely know its benefits. Um, Bitcoin really does change you in many ways um, that are kind of unexpected, right? Like, um, I, I, I think uh, what one tweet I put out recently is that I appreciate material things more in the sense that I'm not trying to preserve their value. I'm, I'm using them for what they were intended. So instead of worrying about damaging a book that I'm reading because I might want to resell it later because I'm uh, using it as a store of value, I'm just reading it and like I'm happy that I'm reading it because the utility I'm getting out of it is about the content in the book and not about the resale value. Um, the, the resale value thing, I think, is, is one of the many ways in which, uh, you know, sort of fiat money uh, corrupts uh, almost everything. Uh, but with Bitcoin, you kind of get out of that corruption. It's, it's kind of fantastic. And Gigi was talking about that to some degree. Mike Hobart looks into lithium and how terrible that is for the environment. Mike shows in the article a lot uh, about battery construction and the raw materials that are necessary to make that work. So much of the raw materials that go into batteries is environmentally damaging to many third world countries. I doubt journalists are interested in something so obviously damaging to the environment as it doesn't fit their narrative. Um, that it, It's just such a, an interesting article about lithium cobalt and all this other stuff that's just damaging these third world countries but journalists don't say a peep um instead they're pushing forward oh bitcoin's using so much energy and they don't even know where the energy is coming from a muslim writer gives an interesting way to look at holding bitcoin specifically how it's similar to fasting as a writer points out both are very much about low time preference behavior there's more I didn't really understand as I'm not Muslim, but maybe useful to those that are. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, fasting and holding do definitely have uh, some parallels. I, I, I fast from a Christian tradition and I find that beneficial and to, that to be low time preference as well. And, you know, there, there's there's something to that that really does get to, um, uh, you know, has sort of like a similar effect as uh, Bitcoin holding. Ethereum promises again that they'll move to proof of stake. Of course, this is something they've been promising since their inception seven years ago. They have delayed its implementation at every turn, so why believe them now? Uh, cynically, this seems like a ploy to take advantage of the energy flood around Bitcoin. Sadly, the new people coming into this space are likely to fall for their marketing and not realize just how little credibility the ETH development team has historically. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they, they were pushing for proof of stake at the very beginning. Um, and they've been promising it over and over and over again. And they have this like ticking time bomb, which is their justification for continuing to do hard forks. Um, but yeah, I, they, they've been promising proof of stake forever. I, I don't know why anyone believes them right now. It does seem like a cynical uh, ploy to take advantage of all of the energy flood going on around Bitcoin. Quick hits. BlockFi mistakenly gave a lot of money to some of their users. So 
Uh, you know, I, I really don't trust their developers at this point. If you mistake dollar, uh, Bitcoin for dollars or something like that, uh, you're, you're not coding things properly and you're, you're doing something seriously wrong. Um, Hong Kong may be banning Bitcoin trading. Um, this may or may not be true, uh, but that, that's uh, sort of a proposal up there. Um, I, I generally don't think banning ever works with Bitcoin because users are just going to find another way, but I guess we'll see. Another week, another DeFi smart contract gets hacked and another. I think both of these are on Binance chain. Um, I mean, I, I really don't understand if you're gambling on this stuff. It, it really doesn't make any sense. I am going to be at Bitcoin 2021, June 4th and 5th. That is next week. I will also be at the Bitcoin Standard Conference on August 12th to 14th in Mexico. That is a few months from now. And the Programming Blockchain Seminar is fast approaching. Uh, it's literally one week from tomorrow, uh, June 1st and 2nd in Miami. Um, and I'm also going to do that in Mexico as well. And you can apply uh, using the link at my newsletter. Uh, I interviewed Alex Gladstein about the petrodollar on my podcast. Uh, and, you know, Alex went through the history, why it's so powerful and how it affects U.S. foreign policy. Um, I read this newsletter on Twitter spaces last week. Uh, and I was uh, and we I did two shows with Tone this week. Uh, first about Elon Musk and Michael Saylor and the second about Bitcoin Energy Fund and this uh, Taproot Speedy trial. I was also on two different podcasts, Blunt Fourth Truth and Smart People Shit. Um, Blunt Fourth Truth was uh, with Chuck Woolery. Uh, for those of you that are older, he used to be a game show host. He has a podcast, so I got to talk about Bitcoin in my book. Um, and Dennis uh, Porter is uh, does the other podcast, and we recorded on Clubhouse and brought it over. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was I had a really good time um, talking to him about it. Um, Unchained Capital is a sponsor of this newsletter, and I have joined as an advisor uh, on the engineering side. So if you need something from them, please uh, learn more at Unchained.com. All right, that is about it for this newsletter, and I will uh, be hopefully doing this next week and have uh, you know uh, a lot more good news uh, given all of the stuff that's happening next week. All right, Fiat Delinda S. This song is done.